Welcome to the Supplement Engineer Podcast. My name is Robert Schnetzky. Joining us today, the CEO of Epion Brands, Ms. Nancy Chen. Nancy, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for joining us. Now, you've got quite the story background, and the main topic of today's discussion is Cori Krill Oil, um, a premium omega-3 supplement that Epion has recently launched. Um, but give us a little bit of background of how you came to get your position with Epion and the development of Cori uh, Krill Oil and the, its release and everything. Sure, happy to do so, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to really tell the Cori and the Krill story. It's been an amazing journey for the last two years for us thus far. So um, as you mentioned, I'm the chief executive of the team Epion Brands, and we came together in the spring of 2019 with an opportunity to really come and create a consumer brand to help rejuvenate the omega-3 supplement category space. Before I get into that, a little bit about myself, I've spent my entire career in marketing and developing brands. And what I like to kind of explain to people is that I really create my passion and what motivates me is this ability to create brand love. When my kids ask me, mommy, what do you do? I said, you know what? I make brand love. I figure out ways to help people love a brand so that they will want to be able to bring it into their lives. And from the perspective of what I've done through the course of my career, I've done this in multiple industries from financial services in the very early days of my career to uh, food, to beauty, personal care. And a couple of years ago, I was approached with an opportunity to come and again, have the opportunity to come into the Omega space because there's such a deficiency amongst Americans in having this essential omega-3 in our diets that I said, you know what, that's a really great opportunity to do some real good to improve the health of Americans. And you couple that with the inspiring story of the founder of our mother company. And I said, wow, you know what, that's something and that's a story I want to be part of. And that's a story I want to be able to help tell. So the origins of where we come from. So Epion, we are small startup, started about two and a half years ago, two and a half to three years ago. Mm -hmm. And it all starts with us having Norwegian roots. And our founding father is a very successful gentleman by the name of Chellinga Roker, who spent his youth really learning the trade of fishing in Norway. Mm -hmm came to the U.S., created one of the most successful fishing companies in the U.S., and went back to Norway. But what he recognized was that the ocean and the sea was so inspiring to him because he spent most of his life kind of creating that personal expertise, and he continues mm -hmm. to just really be passionate about it. And he was one of the first people to really recognize the potential health values that krill can bring to all of us. And he created a company called Acker Biomarine, which is focused on biotech, but really biotech that's in the world of how do we extract these health benefits of krill, not just for human consumption, but in aquaculture as well as in the pet industry. And through the Acker Balmarine team, they said, you know what, in the US, there is a deficiency amongst Americans. Over 70% of us actually don't get enough of this essential nutrient 
which is omega-3. So it's something that we all need to help our bodies thrive, but we can't make it on our own. So you can only get it through your diet or your supplements. And with the American diet being so high in non-seafood based sources like meat and things like that, it's not a shock that so many of us are deficient in omega-3s. So their whole mission and my whole mission is to be able to really help Americans, quote unquote, get off our bums and really recognize the value that omega-3s can bring to our life to help improve our health. And what I want to be able to do is get everybody excited about krill specifically as an omega source and what's unique and special about to hopefully inspire everybody to say, hey, that's something I really need in my life. Excellent. Before we get dive headfirst into the cruel stuff, I just had a couple of other questions about your background in marketing. Is this something you went to school for? Is it something you had a passion for as a kid? And then how is it how has it been jumping from, you know, banking to cosmetics to food into dietary supplements? Is there any unique challenges or is it is it kind of similar and there's just subtle differences when you're trying to pitch and grow a company? Yeah, I would say my love for it really started when I was in college and I was really obsessed and fascinated by um, being exposed to TV commercials at the time when the cola wars were happening. So if you remember, like I'm dating myself a little bit now, but (laughs) Coke and Pepsi, you know, and how their TV ads would always be kind of taking these subtle pokes at each other. And Mm -hmm. Pepsi always claimed, you know, we're the choice of the new generation. And I thought it was fascinating because I was exactly exactly in the target market audience for Pepsi, but I was a Coke lover and I still am a, I, I, I am a self-admitted, like I am team Coke, you know, Mm -hmm. and hopefully, hopefully your listeners won't dock me for that. (laughs) But, um, that perspective, I was always fascinated by the, what seemingly to me at the time as a consumer Mm -hmm. was a very similar product two colas, but why did I myself have such a love for Coke, but not Pepsi? Mm -hmm. And for me, that was really the spark on the consumer side to say, hey, you know, what is it about myself that makes me like Coke so much more than Pepsi? And then that started to turn into this fascination around, it's Mm -hmm. all about understanding consumer insights, getting into the psyche of consumers and understanding what appeals to us, how brands can align with values that we kind of respect and want to be associated with. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I continued to just kind of pursue marketing from that standpoint, went back to my graduate studies and focused in on that as well to really kind of hone in and develop that experience. And then from a career perspective, from an industry elements of it, Fundamentally, the tie underlying red thread that connects all of these is the ability to be able to understand consumer insight. So I think mm-hmm. as long as you have a passion and a natural curiosity to constantly kind of wonder how do you create brand love mm-hmm. with consumers, that I think is a really strong motivation. At least it is for me in terms of what continues to kind of help on the good and the bad side, keeps me up at night in terms of trying to figure that out, that unlock, but also on the side of, you know, when we actually do crack that nut, the Mm -hmm. feeling of that accomplishment is so amazing because when you're able to kind of crack that nut and understand what really drives consumers and consumer love. And we are, mm-hmm. if we're able to translate that into the brand to bring that to life, it all comes together through things such as loyalty. It comes together through when consumers start to evangelize and become kind of self, 
you know, proclaimed sponsors and ambassadors of us. Like me, mm -hmm. I just two minutes ago said, hey, I'm a self-professed team Coke. You know, they've got me for life. Okay. And the ability to do that is so rewarding for me. Excellent. You've also seen the marketing industry change quite a bit from when you first got into So, you know, early internet days, basically when you just had TV spots, magazine prints, billboards, all of that stuff to initial search engine optimization now to, you know, social media and whether it's good or bad, that's a whole other discussion we can get into for another day. But, you know, how do you like the way that the, the marketing model has changed or the different like venues you can start pitching products to and interacting with people? Does that make it more exciting? Does it make it challenging constantly having to adapt your skill set to the evolving demands or availabilities for, you know, advertising uh, products and reaching the consumer? Yeah, I think it's really exciting because it gives us all of these untapped avenues that we can go and test. And, you know, with the traditional models and the traditional channels in place, they still have their value, especially for a new brand who's trying to create awareness. But in some ways, I actually see it coming full circle from my early days in marketing. And there's a term that's never used anymore because it's kind of become a dinosaur in the marketing world. But in the very, very early days, there was this kind of concept of direct marketing, which was very analytically based for you to be able to run models and scenarios that would then generate, for the most part, the consumer reaction or the, the action that you wanted a consumer to take. Mm -hmm. And what we're finding now is that with all of the tools and the new channels that are happening, that has kind of evolved into this world of performance marketing. But the fundamentals of it, or I should say the spirit behind it, is still very similar, where you're taking a very data-driven approach to be able to understand and optimize the channels in which you can reach your consumer, the right messaging, and so much of data is now available. That's a really exciting thing for marketers, right? Yeah. To be able to marry, I think, now science with heart in an even really stronger way that way than we used to be able to do. Mm -hmm. The challenge that we're facing is that with a lot of the new channels that are coming on board, I think the ability for us to kind of access some of the data is still a little bit newer. So that's pacing a little be bit behind. And so it's not necessarily keeping pace with the new channels and how exciting they are. And that's something that as marketers, you know, becomes an area for us around testing and finding partners and, and finding partners for us that are willing to kind of build some of those capabilities because we have those needs to be able to understand how performance of some of these new channels compared to some of the ones that are in more of the historical toolbox. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. I'm curious to see with how it's going to continue to progress from here. So if circling back to direct marketing again, you know, and we've started to see even more uh, growth and development, I guess, just from my side, interacting with clients of like direct email marketing, where before we were trying to blast stuff through Facebook, Google ads, Instagram ads, but then that becomes so bloated and so like little return on investment for some of the younger upstarts. It's more of let's start doing these direct, tar you know, these direct targeting email campaigns and kind of grow it from there. Uh, so it, it's always, it's, it's fun. It keeps you on your toes, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm, absolutely. That That's um, part of the fun part of it. Yeah. All right, let's dive into krill oil specifically. So uh, the name Corey Krill Oil, where did that come from? And then let's get into the specifics, some of the differences between 
krill oil and fish oil because most people know their omega threes are going to be for like animal sources it's going to be fish oil if you're going the plant-based route it's going to be walnuts chia seeds and things of that nature um so let's start i guess at the top with the name cory and then let's get into some of the differences between krill oil and fish oil Sure. So here's a fun party fact now. Corey, the inspiration behind Corey, where we got that from, um, is a combination of two words coming together. Krill, obviously, is, that's our core ingredient, but then also origin. And if you think Corey and origin, the two coming together, that's how uh, Corey comes to life. And the reason why we were inspired by bringing that together is because Krill is actually at the very beginning of the marine ecosystem food chain, right? And mm -hmm. from that perspective, krill has such an amazing ability to kind of consume the phytoplankton, but be able to, within themselves, convert that into all of these amazing nutrients. And what then happens is that because they're at the beginning of the food chain, they naturally are kind of just more clean. There's less of the feed that they are consuming that could potentially be tainted or things of that nature. So they're quite powerful in that perspective. And that's what really inspired us. And knowing that Krill, such a small little guy, but who's such a big powerhouse, can actually sustain the marine ecosystem in the ocean, such as whales, you know, penguins, and that marine life. It's so powerful. And you might not ever have imagined that from such a small little guy. That's what gave us the inspiration to bring Quarry together in the name. Interesting. And yeah. so I guess with it being, you know, on the bottom of the food chain, there's less risk of toxicity or mercury poisoning that you're going to give from some of the larger, just like sharks, swordfish, exactly. certain types of salmon, tuna, things like that, which exactly has downstream benefits for the actual oil we're getting from them and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So let's go to differences between krill oil and fish oil outside of, you know, some of the, the mercury things that we just touched on. What are some of the other benefits in terms of bioavailability daily dose recommended, any additional benefits that we could get from doing this, I would encourage people to maybe seek this out as an alternative to fish oil. Yeah, I think it comes to life in two ways. One, which is the ingredients and the nutrients that are naturally found in krill. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the difference in how krill is processed and made into a supplement, which is very different than how some of the other omega sources like fish oil are made. And that and the two of those together, I think really bring some differences for krill that I hope will be exciting for your listeners. If we start with krill first and foremost, right? I think that not so many people are aware of krill. And I think, you know, krill got maybe it's five minutes of fame in a segment in one of the Happy Feet uh, animated movies. You can see kind of krill coming in there. But for the most part, I think most people associate krill with just being something that the whales in Antarctica eat or the penguins eat. But again, what's so unique and special about krill is that it naturally contains in and of itself a multi-nutrient benefit. And when we convert that into a supplement, we're able to keep and hold those nutrients and we don't lose those in processing so that we can then deliver all of that as an end product for all of us. Krill, for the most part, we all know that krill as an omega-3 source delivers the essential omega-3 EPA DHA nutrients. But on top of that, krill also contains naturally choline. It's another essential nutrient that has actually been known to support brain nervous system and liver health as well. Mm -hmm. And then krill also contains an antioxidant 
astaxanthin. And what that allows us to do is be able to turn that into a supplement product and have that astaxanthin be a natural antioxidant, natural preservative so that we never have to add anything else to it. And again, another sidebar fun party fact is that astaxanthin is what gives krill oil soft gels it's kind of jewel like ruby red color and mm. salmon eats so much krill that salmon's flesh is kind of pinkish and that's what gives it its pinkish glow uh, for lack of a better way to describe it so from that perspective krill naturally has all these extra nutrients the other critical thing that then happens is the second phase of when we actually process and create krill into a supplement. And the key thing there is that in the processing, we're able to retain all of these natural nutrients that krill already contains. But the one thing I haven't mentioned yet is what I kind of call the secret and the key to krill that makes it so different, which is this phospholipid. Now, phospholipids are part of all of our living cells and they help make up our cell membrane. And when your cells are healthy and have a strong cell membrane, it allows your cell to function so much more. Krill oil supplements deliver their omega-3s in phospholipid form. So when we are processing the fresh krill that we're harvesting and catching, we're able to retain the phospholipids. Now krill oil contains both phospholipids as well as triglycerides. The great thing about having phospholipids is that because our cells are naturally containing and made up of phospholipids, it's more compatible with the omega-3s that are being delivered through krill oil. And the benefit of that for all of us is that it allows for higher absorption of the omega-3s. And we've got some studies that say that krill oil look to be anywhere from two to three times better absorbed than fish oil. And then on top of that, the phospholipids, because they are better and more compatible with our cells naturally, it means that our body can process it better. And so we end up with none of the fishy aftertaste that you sometimes might get from other marine sources like fish oils. Fish oils actually, you know, fish in and of themselves. So if you think a, think, think a look at salmon, right? Salmon itself contains both triglycerides and phospholipids as well. But when salmon and other fish are processed into fish oil supplements, they lose their phospholipids in processing. Mm -hmm. So they're only delivering their omega-3s in triglyceride form, which one is not as compatible right. to the cell membranes. And because they're not as compatible, they also generate for some people this fishy aftertaste. And that's because it's kind of sitting in our stomachs. And because it's not as compatible, it takes longer for our bodies to kind of break down the mm -hmm. omega-3s for our bodies to be able to utilize it. And so that's a key difference. Fish oils also don't contain choline. Fish oils don't also contain astaxanthin. So what I really love about krill is that I think it's this multi-benefit, multi-nutrient omega supplement where you're getting the omegas that you need and more. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the astaxanthin and the, the natural antioxidants in there because a common thing that we're, you, you'll hear with fish oils is that they eventually go rancid or most of the ones available on the, on the market, you're not getting much benefit from because the, the, the the beneficial components of the omega threes have all been denatured due to crude processing or improper storage. So it basically, you know, neutralizes any potential benefit. And so what these companies will do for the, the listeners, I'm sure you, you know, this is, but they'll add in all these other antioxidants. So vitamin E or tocopherols, like vitamin E, 
to prevent the oxidation of these things and how to retain that. But the astaxanthin in there, are there I, I think there might be a, one or two other antioxidants in there too, but astaxanthin is the main one that, you know, retains the potency of it. And that was going to be my other question, which you already touched on, was the taste. Fish oil, we've got a liquid fish oil that we take here. It's Nordic Naturals. And we've tried the berry flavor, the lemon flavor. It, the taste of it doesn't really bother me, but my wife and my five-year-old, it's it's a fight for both of them to like <laughs> get them to take their fish oil every night because it's got that fishy funk on the back end of it. Um, so krill oil, I have never personally used krill, krill oil to this day, but I might start trying it now, at least with them, definitely. Um, <laughs> so there's no kind of like repeating of it, no like fishy taste with it whatsoever or anything like that? No, I mean, what we have heard back from consumers is that they don't get the fishy aftertaste. And there's a lovely video that we've created that I would love to send you to share with your listeners as well. The core structure of phospholipids is that phospholipids are naturally more water soluble. So when they're delivering the omega-3s, you have this phospholipid as well as this triglyceride component. And because they're more water soluble, our bodies are able to break them down in a more easy way. That's why they're more easily digestible. And that's why they lead to this end benefit of no fishy aftertaste. Triglycerides are fundamentally, the analogy I like to use is like, think about water and oil. They kind of sit on top of each other, right? Even after you shake them, they kind of disperse immediately and they kind of sit on top of each other. And that's the best way to describe how triglycerides are when we put them in our stomach. So they are not as water soluble, which requires our body to put a lot more effort into breaking them down. And it requires a lot more time. And because water and oil don't really mix together, a lot of that is what's sitting for the most part in your belly. And that's what's causing you to have kind of the burp backs. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, you also touched on choline, which is naturally present in the phosphatidylcholine form within krill oil. Like, you know, as you mentioned, essential for acetylcholine production, nervous system function, brain development, memory learning, all that other stuff. I, I love choline. Um, is there, and it, it might vary, I understand, from batch to batch. Like, you know, one season's run of krill might be low, slightly lower in choline than, and, you know, the next season might be a little higher. Do y'all have an average amount that you might know offhand, or if not, we can get we can discuss it on the back end of uh, like the average choline content in a serving or two of krill oil, so people can whether it's their could this satisfy their choline needs? I guess is where I'm getting. Or should they still look to supplement with other means or get more eggs, beef, liver in their diet, stuff like that? I mean it. It's hard to generalize because everybody's diets are so different and so personalized and individualized. What I can say is that at least through Corey and our range, we are able to offer a good source of choline. So we're offering at least 10% of the daily recommended value of choline through the Corey products. Okay. Excellent. And then y'all are also in some major retailers, including Sam's Club, I believe Costco as well. Mm -hmm. You yes. can find it. So yes. How was it with with being a relatively young brand? How were y'all able to broker those those major retailers? I, I would say it was a combination of coming in and being 
what I kind of call the Krill Omega science nerds, right? Mm -hmm. Having that real deep understanding and credibility of the value of what this ingredient can bring to human health. Mm -hmm. And you couple that with, I, I'd like to believe a brand that has come to life through Corey that is appealing both from its values as well as through the product we've created mm -hmm. and the offering that we've created. You couple that with a commitment to the retailers who recognize that there is a need to be able to reinvigorate the Omega category, what they've seen over the course of the last few years is that some of the, I would say the legacy leading brands have decided to kind of walk away from investing in Omegas because they have a large portfolio and there are other, I would say more in vogue or um, trending ingredients that have caught the attention of consumers. And so there's really been, I would say, a lack of investment and a lack of leadership by brands to just continually make Americans aware of how important Omegas are. And the retailers are feeling that lack of leadership. They're seeing that consumers are not buying and investing in so much of the Omega products that they should be. And when we came in with a commitment to say, we have a product that's unique. We believe it's unique for all of the reasons, hopefully I convinced your listeners on just a couple of minutes ago, but coupled with that, we are, we are solely focused on Krill and Krill Omegas. And what we want to be able to do is help restore leadership to this category. And I think when you bring those three elements together, what we were able to do was really help also generate a lot of excitement amongst the buyers. And we were really lucky that the buying team at Costco, at Walmart, at CVS and at Sam's, they came aboard really early in our launch. And usually some of these buyers and these retailers, they don't do that with brands, right? They, a mm -hmm. lot of them like to see that you've been able to kind of crack the nut and make it big before they kind of bring you on board. And right. so, like I said, we've been really fortunate that they've been such huge supporters of us. Do you see uh, like the fish oil market is pretty heavily saturated. There's a couple of top leaders in there, but it, it, it seems constantly with every other sports nutrition brand or lifestyle supplement, and they're putting in a new fish oil product into their lineup. Are we seeing that same kind of uh, crowdedness in the krill oil market? I would say not so much yet in the krill oil market. And mm -hmm. That might actually end up being one of the things that if we're successful with Corey, we're able to do to actually bring more competition into the segment. So we do have, uh, you know, a job ahead of us to be able to get the word out about Crow and how unique and novel it is and be able to get much more Americans to really, like I said, enjoy the health benefits of Krill. So for now, I, I would say, you know, we have a big job in front of us of really just helping establish how powerful Krill can be and hopefully help Americans understand the incremental benefits that they can get. And I look mm -hmm. forward to the day where it actually might become a little bit more crowded. <laughs> With uh, processing of the Krill oil, what do we, and you know, they're obviously very small crustaceans. You don't have to wait for them to get as big as you would with fish if you're going to make fish oil from that. How does that impact the overall cost when y'all are going through and developing this? And what's if a consumer is looking at a bottle of fish oil versus a bottle of Cory Krill oil on the shelf, 
what are they what can they expect in terms of pricing comparable is it since it's a higher quality source there's a little bit more uh processing and refinement needed to uh get the krill oil versus the fish oil out how does that impact the ultimate end product for the consumer and that may sway them more towards cory krill oil yeah, what I would say is that krill oil is a premium to traditional fish oil supplements in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Part of what drives that also is the commitment and the investment we make in ensuring our operations are the highest quality, as mm -hmm. well as that they are sustainable. Now, sustainability is a cornerstone of everything that we do before our first ships ever even entered Antarctica to catch the first batch of krill. And the key difference here is that krill, despite the fact that they're so small, and for the most part, I think an adult krill may measure up to two inches. So these are pretty small, small crustaceans here, right? But they are the largest biomass on the planet two times the size of the human biomass. So they are in abundance. And th that's a very important thing to recognize because I think there's also a misconception of the fact that by harvesting krill that we are in a way removing the ability for the natural marine ecosystem to be able to get the food source that they need. That isn't true because everything that we're doing is anchored through sustainability. And because of the large biomass of krill, what we do is that we ensure that every piece of krill or every krill that we're catching is run through these operations, which have been recognized as leading in our ability to, to source these sustainably. Our, we have patented technology whereby when you think about a traditional way where you harvest fish, you have a net from a boat that's kind of cast out and the boat will trawl the waters to be able to catch the fish in the net. And then you haul the net up onto the boat so that you can get the catch onto the boat. Right. What happens in that process is that it's, in, it's highly inefficient because you have to constantly kind of haul up cast the net, haul up. At the same time, that has an effect to the marine ecosystem because what happens is that as the nets are being hauled up, predators that are natural predators of fish see the concentration of fish that's caught in the net. And a lot of the times the predators will actually come and actually be caught in the net and be bycatch and they become bycatch, mm -hmm. right? So there's a negative effect from that perspective with traditional fishing practices. From a krill perspective, we have a patented technology that allows the net to stay submerged the entire time. So we actually never lift the net and we have a patented vacuum technology that then immediately brings the krill on board onto our boats. That vacuum technology only allows the size of the krill to come through. So we minimize the bycatch because we're one, quote unquote, the vacuum is never catching a predator species, yeah. but two, mm -hmm. we never have to bring the nets up. So we're able to minimize the bycatch. And by bringing the krill immediately onto the boats, we're actually able to process the krill immediately on our boats, which allows us one, better quality because you mm -hmm. don't have the risk of bycatch and other things on there. And two, because we're processing it immediately, you're able to extract out the nutrients in kind of its freshest form when you're doing it on the boats immediately. Very cool. I would love to see that that pump in action to just to see that whole thing, just 
this it's the engineering nerdy side of my brain that just <laughs> wants to see like the actual apparatus I'll have to go and I don't, I'm sure the end consumer like the the average consumer doesn't want to see all this so but just like <laughs> from the way my brain like with all the machinery and everything that'd be really cool to see how how the, all that kind of works yeah it'd be very very and, interesting yeah and the and the other things that we do to be able to give our consumers the confidence that sustainability is so important to us that what we do is we also invest in show that we've got the latest tech on our boats. So the other really important thing is recognizing how pristine Antarctica it is. So we want to have the most minimalist impact on the ecosystem as possible. And what we do is we invest in technologies like drone technology, sailboat technology, to, as well as radar and sonar to help us actually locate the krill so that the giant fishing vessels are not expending fuel looking and, and sailing around looking for the swarm. So we're constantly investing in technology to minimize the carbon footprint, mm -hmm. minimize the impact we have to the environment, find the crew in the most efficient way, and then be able to catch and source them without, again, any bycatch impact to the ecosystem. Fascinating. Very cool. Um, where was I going to go with this? Um, supply chain. That was it. Have y'all given, there's been a, a lot of upset with global economic supplies and consumer goods the past couple of years. And the, the supplement industry is no exception to this. We've seen creatine prices go up, you know, a hundred percent. Same thing with caffeine, even stuff like you, you never used to be an issue before. Have y'all had any kind of supply chain issues whatsoever with as far as being able to collect harvest the krill or is there any shortage as far as bottling technologies or for the gummies packaging materials anything like that yeah what i would say is that we've been very fortunate from that standpoint we are the only vertically integrated krill oil brand in the market so the lovely thing about that is from catch to to the ability for us to actually put that bottle of quarry in front of you either online or in stores we're able to both control the quality of that because we have visibility along the supply chain, but it also means that uh, we're able to ensure the sourcing and the availability of the material. So we've not, knock on wood, been experiencing any of the supply chain issues. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, let's recap some of the benefits of krill oil. We've touched on a little bit of it as far as the antioxidant payload from astaxanthine, the cognitive benefits from choline, the obvious benefits of just getting enough EPA and DHA. Uh, just doing a little bit of research on my own side for some of the krill oil trials that have been done. We're seeing some things as far as uh, pain relief from knee osteoarthritis. Uh, what, some, what are some other things that individuals may find or experience with supplementing with krill oil? Yeah, what I would say is that because krill delivers omega-3s, the benefits of omega-3s have been widely studied, right? And I mm -hmm. think through the last three to four decades, omega-3s probably have been one of the most studied ingredients in the U.S. And the lovely thing is that historically, it's been very much anchored to kind of heart and cardiovascular health. But there's mm -hmm. so much also, I would say, studies and evidence in regards to omega-3s supporting brain health eye health, joint health, which you just mentioned, skin health, immune health, and a whole host of other, I would say, benefits that make omega-3s and krill a multi-benefit supplement that could Im help improve all of our best selves. Most recently this year, we had 
in addition to the joint study that you just mentioned, we published two additional ones, one which is around the benefit of having krill supplementation benefit older Americans and older people from a standpoint of helping retain muscle size and muscle function. So as we all get older, our muscle mass starts to decline and weaken. And what we found is that through supplementation, we're actually able to help maintain muscle mass. So that's really exciting, especially for those of us getting older. The other really important study that we published this year was very much linked to power training and sports recovery. So as we become all more active in our lives, and for those of us who kind of take it to the extreme, what ends up happening is that when you're going through uh, sessions of power training or or extreme kind of um, athletics and things of that nature, what ends up happening is your body utilizes high levels of choline and, and what you experience thereafter, you know, are your, you know, natural signs of kind of fatigue, soreness and, and muscle soreness that you kind of have to rest and recover for because krill oil delivers choline. What we're able to do is actually help with recovery faster from that performance perspective to really kind of get you ready for your next training session even faster. So that's Mm -hmm. another really exciting thing that's come out. With the research, um, do y'all contract a research organization to do this? Do y'all have your own in-house team? Do you partner with the university? Because um, there's there's this kind of rub that some consumers will have is that we, we always want more research on our favorite supplements or, you know, new stuff that's coming out. We, you know, it's, it's having a rat study, having a cell culture is fine, but let's get some stuff in healthy human subjects and see how these things can do. But the, the trade-off is Somebody, the money's got to come from somewhere. NIH, FDA, they're not just willingly shelling out millions of dollars for these, you know, randomized six-month control mm-hmm. trials to go on. So um, that's where I, I try to remind people, hey, the money's got to come from somewhere. So as long as they're not the ones like juking the stats and just, you know, doing everything, if they're just providing the materials or providing some research dollars to these universities or research organizations, that's very different than having the the lead scientist from the company running the study and doing all this stuff too so how is how do y'all go about orchestrating those yeah i mean our approach is multifold it does include some of the approaches that you mentioned where we look for partners in other cases we have potential partners come to us and say we're interested in looking at this will you supply the ingredient for us to actually do the study on. And from that perspective, we will also participate. And where they want additional partnership, we have scientists on our team who can help contribute to that because, quote unquote, again, I like to tout us as we are the krill nerds and the science behind krill. If you ever have questions about that, you know, our team is the place to go. And so we do approach science studies in those multifaceted ways. I think one of the things that's also important that sometimes people may not always remember it is that before the studies actually get published, they do, they are peer reviewed. Mm-hmm. And in addition to being peer reviewed to make sure that the study is set up in the right way, that the it's been executed in the right way and it meets the gold standards for clinical human studies as well as animal studies, there's that element that hopefully can give us confidence that when something is published, that there is rigor behind how the study was conducted. And I think the second piece that serves as an element to ensure the integrity of the studies is that before the studies are published, 
they have to be vetted by the publishing organization. So whenever we reach out to any of the medical leading medical industry partners whose own reputation is at hand, if they decide to publish a study that quote unquote may not meet muster, that has an impact to them as well. So there's a second layer of what I would say this quality control to hopefully give us more confidence that when studies are published, you know, they are done through the lens of there's outside third parties checking the integrity of them and then believing in enough of what the results have said to say, yes, I also want to put my name behind this because I'm publishing this. Excellent. Yeah. Um, In bridging the gap between omega-3s and the consumers. So you mentioned earlier about, you know, 70% of Americans at least are deficient in omega-3s. How do we bridge that gap and whether we can, we're we're not going to solve this problem right here. But just from, from your mindset and the marketing mindset, driving home the importance of omega-3s and specifically encouraging them to seek out krill oil versus just any old fish oil that they would find in the bargain bin at the store. How do you make that connection to the the average person walking into their grocery store or big box store like Sam's or Costco or CVS? I mean, where I would first start off is by saying that one, it's, you know, having the ability and the opportunity to talk to hosts like yourself to allow me a platform to be able to share the benefits of omegas and krills. And hopefully that inspires your listeners. And that's one of the first places we can start. What I would say is that the American diet is so heavy in kind of meat based kind of proteins and ingredients that really the gold standard to get your omega-3s is in in eating fatty fish. And that's what I always say to everybody that I'm, you know, that that's the gold standard. Try your best to eat more seafood and to eat more fatty fish. Salmon is a great source of omega-3s. But I recognize that not everybody can be eating a lot of seafood. Not everybody can eat seafood or want to eat seafood fresh from that perspective. And for those who can't get enough omega-3s through a real fish diet or a real seafood diet, I'm hoping that you'll look to supplements as a way to kind of add on to what you're going to be missing. And I'm hoping that, you know, through this opportunity that your readers and, and more people will recognize that when you have an ability to supplement, there are choices of where you can get your omega-3s from. And krill happens to be what I believe is a potentially superior choice that you can make when you're thinking about what supplement to get through all of the benefits and the additional nutrients that we've talked about. You mentioned that not everybody can or wants to eat seafood. And I just thought of something on mine and I'll, I'll, I'll indemnify us by saying, always check with your healthcare provider before you try a supplement. Yes. That being said, with people with that have shellfish allergies, can they have krill oil, even though it's derived from a crustacean? Uh, so exactly to your point, check with your doctor, check with your physician, pediatrician. We are shellfish based. So there is the potential risk for anyone with a shellfish allergy that we would trigger a concern. So that's why I am completely agreeing with you. Always check with your doctor. Okay, Perfect. Um, And wrapping things up here, Nancy, a couple of final questions. What does your daily supplement regimen look like? I mean, for me, I, of course, uh, I'm a big fan of omegas. And a little bit of a backstory for me is in my 20s, I had recognized the need for omegas. And a lot of what started me on omegas was the benefit of actually skin 
and the skin benefits behind that. And so I started taking that in, a, I would say, a more vain perspective to try to keep, you know, the the um, the glow, the skin looking glowing and healthy. But I actually stopped because at the time I did not know that krill was available, and I had taken fish oil, and I and I was subject to the burps, and I had a really hard time with the burps. So I actually stopped for many years mm -hmm. taking omegas and tried to increase my kind of seafood uptake. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I was able to actually discover krill and then come back to taking it. So for sure, omegas are much more prominent in my health regimen. But I'm also a big fan of B vitamins as well as D vitamins. D is another one for many of us now, especially, you know, working from home, hybrid, what COVID has done to us in the last couple of years. Vitamin D is a really important one that I've found I don't get enough of. So, so those two are additional ones that come into my repertoire, along with the other one that I also put into my regimen is um, calcium. And then a more newer one for me is lutein and zeaxanthin. And that is a new combination of ingredients that we actually put into a Cori product this past spring, where what we were trying to do was to bring together the benefits of krill oil, which is already known for brain support with these two additional ingredients, which are plant antioxidants to give an extra added boost for kind of brain support. So that's one of the newer things that I'm very excited about adding to my repertoire. And the source of our lutein and zeaxanthin have been clinically studied to help support memory and concentration. And, you know, as my kids get older and they become more demanding and I'm, you know, faced with that, as well as trying to figure out how to create more brand love for Corey, all of these supplements that help from a brain perspective are ones that I'm very happy to uh, try out. Excellent. Uh is Epion growing the, the family of the brands under Epion? Do y'all see yourself expanding into any other supplement niches outside? Like, so you've got Corey with the krill oil. Do you see going in any other directions as far as joint health, anti-inflammatory, organ health, sports performance, e-sports athletes, any of that kind of stuff as well? I would say first and foremost, our approach and our lens to it will always be through the lens of what are the what are the health needs that consumers need mm -hmm. and can krill omegas play a role in delivering that benefit and where that is where there is that role and that opportunity yes those all become viable spaces that we would look to find the right dosage of krill and the right formulations and even potentially right partner ingredients that could help address the, that need. So what we're dedicated to is improving and increasing the omega-3 levels of mm -hmm. all Americans. And if that comes through a pure krill oil supplement, or if it comes through combining krill with another ingredient to give you kind of a combination benefit so that you can you know, cut down on how many soft gel or pills you need to take and get you some more efficiency from that standpoint. That's what all goes into the inspiration of where we see the growth trajectory for Kari to be. First and foremost, we want to be the leading 
Krill Omega supplement, both from a science perspective, quality perspective, and a brand perspective. We're so focused in that. So that if you're ever looking for an Omega supplement, you know these are experts who know what they're talking about. We want to be able to create that confidence and be able to go deep in looking at the benefits can, that Krill Omegas can offer. And those topics that you just mentioned, esports, you know, there's a lot of elements in esports that are related to brain eye coordination, which omegas and krill oil, I think have a lovely opportunity to tap into more joint opportunities. Absolutely. Maybe go back to even some of uh, my roots for taking omegas in the beauty space. Absolutely. There's so much, I think, richness because of the multi benefits that krill omegas can deliver. All right, Nancy, uh, that's answered all my questions on the topic. Thank you very much. Is there anything you'd like to touch on before we uh, put a bow on the package and send that out the door? Well, super. I mean, again, thank you for the opportunity. Hopefully it's been uh, really interesting and inspiring for you and your listeners when they actually learn more about Krill. I'm very excited to be able to uh, also share with you that if you're interested in Corey, Corey is available nationally at some of the retailers that we talked about, including Costco, CVS, Sam's, Walmart, Rite Aid, but we're also online at Amazon and we have our own brand website. If you want to come and geek out with us on Krill at CoreyKrillOil.com. Outstanding. I'll include links to everything in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much for your time, Nancy. I really enjoyed this. And this gives me a good jumping off point for some uh, future writing I'm going to do on the site. So thank you very much. Amazing. And I'd love to be able to uh, send you some samples of Corey if you want to experience Krill. Sure. I, I, thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All I need to, I can either uh, coordinate through Lauren. If you have my email, if you want to just send me your address, feel free to let me know. Okay. I will. Yeah. And I'm always looking for feedback. So, you know, everybody I meet is an opportunity to convert into a krill oil believer. And so when you have a chance to try it, please send me some feedback and let me know what you think. Gladly. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Nancy. Super. Thank you.